listeners, and welcome back to Ubersinko. If you're returning to the den, mucho, mucho, mucho gratitude. And if this is your first foray with us, Uber a pause to you, compadre. Uh, sorry about that. But this is Ubersinko, the podcast where we deep dive top fives. I'm Mitch Brinkman, your host for today's festivities, and our matchup today in the den is Brian Ernst versus Nathan Hennepin. Today, our contestants will reveal and defend their top five moments of their lives that should have been a Seinfeld episode. Oh, yada yada. Boys, say hello and give the folks something good. Hello. Greetings and salutations, everyone. What's the deal with this episode? <laughs> I've just created a new rule in my brain, so... Um. <laughs> And I, I, I will abide by it. <laughs> you know what I was going to say. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, this uh, this episode, obviously, it's going to be Seinfeld heavy. Hope to God you listeners at home um, spent a good part of your childhood watching reruns on the daily, like some of us did. Um, this is our second uh, WCIU reference. <laughs> 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 I believe later we're going to have an episode where uh, it's all about Generation Z and how lucky they are. They just have shows at their fingertips and just all the episodes. And you don't have to return to your TV every day between five and six uh 6 p.m. Central um, to, to catch your, your favorite comedy. So Yeah, it was um, always, it was two episodes of The Simpsons mm-hmm. and then you'd switch over for an episode of Seinfeld and then you'd go back for another half hour of The Simpsons. That was how it worked for me pretty much every day from age 10 to 14. Were there any shows that you would never watch or, or were there some, if you stayed for the half hour, you felt bad afterwards? You're like, why did I do that? Yeah, they started uh, near the end of that. They started sneaking in... Um, original run of uh, king of queens <laughs> um that one i didn't think lived up to the potential no nope. yeah no nope. and and, Ma- and matlock really didn't uh, appeal to a 10 to 14 year old me also like i think there was like a six-week period where they tossed wings in there the uh, oh the, yeah the thomas hayden church airport vehicle if you remember that one <laughs> <laughs> so much drama in a tiny regional airport it was incredible um well, that's, that's fantastic. All right. Well, hey, uh, if this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den with us, let us wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But... If both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber Stare Down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as a reminder, don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show where I, Mitch Brinkman, will give you my Fast Five send-off, where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five Brad Pitt hairstyles. And of course, as host, I'm entitled to institute a house rule for today's game, which is inspired by my father, who had the quickest hands this side of the mighty Mississippi when it came to change being left about. He'd say, you can't take care of it? I will. Cha-ching. So any details of your stories not cared for, moments you gloss right over with a yada yada, will be automatically dinged a point. With that, let's do it. Um, let's start with um, Nathan. Do you want to go first? I'd love to. Thank you. Start us off. 
All right, this uh, first story, this goes back to my uh, undergraduate days. Uh, we're in the summer school uh, session. The way classes were structured was it was only a few weeks and it was sort of like a seminar thing. So it was like five hour long classes, only a handful of them accumulated for your grade. I needed a psychology class. I signed up like the day before, probably the night before online, got registered got the room, uh, whatever. I didn't even have time to go buy the books. So I stroll in late at nine in the morning. I How late was that? To, was that like a half hour late? Yeah, about a half an hour late. Okay. Okay. So I, stro- I stroll in and the guy is like, uh, all right, what's, you know, what's your name? And uh, so I give him my name and he says, oh, you're not on the register. And he's like, but did you just like sign up real recently? He's like, yeah, like a couple other people, same thing. Don't worry about it. We'll straighten it out later. Like, cool so we sit down we get started uh it's real dry real boring sort of droning on and on get through two hours of it and then we break up we're ready for the first assignment which is going to be a big group project so we spent like there's four of us spend about 90 minutes divvying up what we're doing we have our responsibilities i don't have the book yet so i'm sharing uh with this girl and uh we're doing all the work whatever and um then we take like a like a half hour lunch break and she lends me her book because I'm like kind of running behind on what we're doing. And so I go check my my notes while I'm on the the break because something just wasn't sitting right with me. And I realized that the class I'd been sitting in was Psych 207 and I had signed up for Psych 208. <laughs> and <laughs> so I'd been in the wrong class the whole time. And I'd been working on this. I've been doing 25% of work for a group project. And the uh, the shame factor, because it was, was just too much for me, I was like trying to think, okay, what am I going to say to these people about the 25% of work I've done? What am I going to say to the professor? What am I going to say to the other class professor that I'm supposed to be in? So I ran back, hoping everybody was still on their break, and they were. And I ran in, and I left the girl's book by her seat. And then I just disappeared into the ether, <laughs> never to be heard from again. <laughs> and uh, so I looking back on it now, I realized I probably could have just dropped the first class and then tried to like sign up for the second one since I'd already gotten started or maybe they would have worked with me. But I was too embarrassed. Uh, it felt like felt like it was channeling my inner George Costanza. I would rather have just taken, thrown everybody else under the bus and, and instead of facing up to the shame of my own shortcomings. And so I dropped the other class and uh, pretty much just spent the three next three weeks uh, doing nothing but uh, playing video games and going to play basketball. So it was, uh, and instead of being embarrassed for literally two minutes, I wasted six weeks of my life. <laughs> This this is this is um, eerily reminiscent of uh, of you taking the bike to the pub in North London too, where you're like instead of just like locking it up somewhere or just being like, yeah, I didn't know, and then drink, you just like disappeared into the into the ether and were never heard of from again. Yeah, well, with that one, I will defend myself slightly more because if something had happened to the bike, I would have been financially liable. Sure, <laughs> but with this, uh, I. I had found the perfect crime and I faced no consequences whatsoever, but- <laughs> which would have made would have made George very proud. <laughs> you weren't financially liable for the six weeks of classes. That- <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't have to pay for All any right. classes because I didn't take it. Good, good. Yeah. Now, also, you left out a detail. What what uh, college did you attend? 
This was DePaul University. Oh. Here in Chicago, Illinois. Whoa, that's where I went. Me too. Weird. Wait, what? Seriously? How do we, we all go to the same college? <laughs> Holy f- Wait, is that where we met? Uh, yeah, we met uh, the, literally the first day. Yeah. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, that's right. Okay. Now, okay, so this was the summer after your first year, correct? So Summer, no, this was summer after junior year, maybe? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was curious if... if it was later, because I was living, I wasn't living in the dorms anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, for the l- listeners at home, Nathan and I were, were roommates freshman year of college. Uh, so I was curious if that was, okay. Okay, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the pieces together here in my brain. Um now, as a Seinfeld episode, do you think George, this would have been like three quarters of the episode, he's he's in the class, he realizes, and it, he, it's, he's like in the bathroom trying to determine which class he drops, or if he just, you know, like just snakes out of there and disappears completely? Um, I think he would have, uh, if, it, if it was George, he would have, you would have seen the, the struggle, and then you would have seen him make the worst possible decision, which... It's probably what I did, but then George would have gotten caught at the end. Oh yeah, there would have been consequences for George. Um, and 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 the, the the young lady's textbook would have definitely been stolen. It would not have been there. Yeah, yeah. 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 that have, would have been gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that would have never made it back to the classroom. Um, but she would have uh, she would have caught him with it. Maybe maybe a week later. Maybe he was trying to use it for a different class. Uh, uh, yeah, so. I, I got away a little bit better than George, but I still felt very much like him in the moment. <laughs> All right, well, let's... which isn't which isn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> um, uh, with with that shame at number five, Brian, let's 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 move to your shame. I don't know if it's shame. Let's let's hear it, uh, not necessarily shame, more just uh, more anxiety ridden. Uh, oh, okay, this is the uh, my number five is the first time I tried parallel parking on Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. Uh, Ooh, so this, that's, that's a busy area. Yeah. So this is a, the real life scenario. Um, uh, before I mention anything about Seinfeld, for those of you listeners who are not familiar with Chicago, Milwaukee Avenue runs diagonally through what is mostly a uh, grid system city. And there's a lot of businesses and street parking in many corridors here. So a lot of people park there to either go to a bar, coffee shop, restaurants, there's a lot of that stuff. But the most important part to understanding why this made my list is because when I was a, a a young driver, first trying to park and meet fo- folks in the city, I was driving a 2003 Ford Windstar minivan. <laughs> so, uh, trying to get this boat into a very precise parallel parked parking spot on a busy street where there's just people just waiting behind you and you have to cause them an inconvenience. And, and there's just a few moments where you had to stop, retry, but a lot more moments where I'd have to just completely abandon that spot completely and move on somewhere else because <laughs> I completely misjudged how big my car is. And also your uh, uh, old red, I, I don't know if that's what you called your, your Windstar, but it, it had a booty on it. It, it, it had a keister going on back there. So. Not only did it have a big booty because it was a huge minivan, but the way the front was designed was the uh, windshield. When you're looking out the windshield, you didn't see the hood of the car. So while you were driving, it was like you always just had a view of the road. So you never knew where the nose ended either. You couldn't like sit up in your chair and be like, okay, I can guesstimate I got about a foot left. No, 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 no. It was all guess. <laughs> it was just like, uh, much like the uh, uh, Toyota Camry story we had a few weeks ago. There's no, there's no cameras on this. There's, you got to rely on your mirrors and just hope if you don't have a friend, really hope you're not uh, 
uh, bumper butting anybody there. So this real life scenario reminded me of either uh, Kramer double parking uh, on the street and a combination of George trying to move the Frogger machine <laughs> across the street. Oh, yeah. So if I take two of those situations. I put them together. I picture George in my position. One, either trying to find the perfect spot, like the spot's not good enough for him. So he has to move on to find something closer because he thinks something's opening up or he's either on a date trying to get close to the restaurant and he's just not satisfied with his park job and he needs to impress his date. Like that's kind of how I see George in this scenario. <laughs> I think this is a, this is a direct quote from George Costanza. I said I'm a good parker. I never said I'm a good driver. I'm a good parker. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't George also, just, they, uh, just pay for valet? <laughs> come on, come on. I can definitely see uh, see George getting involved with a cyclist on Milwaukee Avenue because it's a pretty, yes. for me, a main thoroughfare. It's it's pretty tight and there's definitely some generous bike lanes. On there's no side. lane. There's no bike lane. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> I was here first. One of my other favorite things about that uh, minivan was the license plate saying RC. B A E, which you put obvious because as everybody knows, RC Cola is so bay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it on the head. That's exactly what it was named after. We're big RC Cola fans. <laughs> so that is my uh, number five: anxiety-ridden parking on a busy city street with a minivan. Well, so uh, I, I feel like you kind of yada yada it there. What did you get in the spot, or how many? Well, of course, I got. Did it take? I got in a spot, but I mean, oh, you got in a spot. This okay. is this is multiple events in which this happened. I mean, this is not oh, like oh, okay. This is just a general a general form of anxiety for you as a parker within the city of Chicago, especially and during this uh, very specific moment of my driving career. It was probably been late teens, early twenties. After attending DePaul and starting to meet uh, a few of you fine folks and being like, hey, sure. let's meet at this place. You guys could either take a bus or a train because you could. Me, I'm like, all right, I'll come in from the suburbs and uh, <laughs> find a good <laughs> well, old. I, did, did you have a system? Because you got to have a system when you're parking. Well, my system was find a place that was at least two or three <laughs> car lengths big and then park there. That was my system. That that can backfire on you. I remember one time when I was an undergrad, uh, one of the DePaul buildings is down in the loop. So I was standing on the elevated train platform looking down at somebody trying to parallel park. You know, the uh, the stanchion that holds up the platform is there. So it's a little tricky, but th this guy had a good 2.5 lengths of his car and he kept backing in and backing out and backing in and backing out. And he was just frustrated. I could see him like pounding on the steering wheel and just like, oh, the, you know, wiping sweat from his brow. And there were a few of us started watching this debacle and it went on for about a good five minutes. And finally he got in and he got out and he slammed the door of his car and just like took a huff and looked at it with his hands on his hips. And then we all started applauding him <laughs> <laughs> and he just turned up and both middle fingers right at us. <laughs> well, um, two middle fingers uh, times two equals four. So um, that's a transition, uh, Nathan. Mm. Uh, give us your number four, please. Nice, the old mathematical transition. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get any points for round five? What is this? Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yes. I, I worked yes. hard. Okay. I worked hard on this. I deserve recognition from the sure, board. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you both the same because you both you both went George here. Um, and George, George is a two, but he thinks of himself as a one deep down. So I'm going to give you guys both a one. So. <laughs> 
Number four for me. <laughs> yes, right. yes. Uh, Take it okay. away, pal. <laughs> uh, this, this one is it's more if, if Seinfeld, if there was like a prequel series where you could see the Seinfeld crew at college getting a little raunchy and rowdy. So this was uh, being uh, smuggled out of the dorms by my cousin Andrew on a wild weekend at Western Illinois. So I was with uh, I was with two of my friends who were both named Ben. And they were, I was, Ben One and I were, were underage. We were still 20 years old. Okay. And drinking in the dorms is a big no-no. So other Ben was, was overage. And we had been out and we had uh, had a few drinks. So we definitely were not above board from a legal sense. And then we came back to the, the there was like a suite uh, so you had one room and then there was a middle common area, then another bedroom. So shared by four or five people. And now when you say suite, uh, there's a hot tub, um, towel service. I mean, what, what, what's your suite? I, I use the word very generously. <laughs> oh, okay. This was, okay. this was, uh, it was, it's an older dorm. And so in the hallways, there were like the large communal men's and women's bathrooms. Okay. Uh, Cause like, the women were on the other side and men's bedrooms on the other side so like so, a, so like a cinder block former prison slash it was like, like meat yes. drying facility cinder blocks in was exactly the architecture okay okay <laughs> so so we get back and uh the middle uh the middle room is just going crazy people are just getting real wild and raunchy and there's just beer cans and vodka bottles just all over this place Ooh. And then, uh, like, a noise complaint happens, and then there's the dreaded knock at the door. And so, we scramble into our respective uh, bedrooms, and I'm, like, hiding under a bed, like, just so, because the door opens a little bit, and the RAs are out there. And so, Ben, who's older Ben, whose room it actually was, is answering the door. And she's like, well, there was a a noise complaint. Like, we need to to see what's going on. He's like, well, no. You no, you're just not going to. And they're like, no, but I am because this is how this system works. He's like, well, you know, we we weren't partaking in this, so so no, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you in and see the co- like if you see something in the common room, like, but I'm not responsible for it, so no. And then he he manages to hold off the RA for just long enough. And while well, this is happening, my cousin Andrew is like calling me, trying to figure out where we are. And so I call him and I whisper and I explain what's going on. And I'm like, you know, well, we're kind of trapped here. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, we Ben might get written up, whatever. Well, then the, the situation goes from bad to worse because the RA had gotten in through the, the other side and she had seen what was going on. Drinking in the dorms was forbidden. Who let her and in? The other the other side. She, Ugh, noobs, she managed to get noobs. in. You never let the police or the RAs <laughs> yeah. in. All right. This, everyone listening so, out there. Okay. So she comes around and uh, is knocking on the door again, and Ben is still just putting up a fight. And in the in the meantime, Andrew calls me and says, uh, "There's police showing up." So the RA had called the police. Uh, so at this point, I'm like, "Oh God, we're screwed." And Andrew's like, "No, we're not giving up. We are getting you out of here." <laughs> and so Andrew like sees the police, like they're kind of they're not taking it too seriously, and they're kind of dragging as they're coming in. So Andrew sneaks us up or he sneaks up through one 
one of the entrances into the dorm and he comes and finds the dorm and he's like, all right, I know where they're coming in. You guys follow me. And so we sprint down the hallway and he like, he has us duck inside of one bathroom and we're like up here and we hear the police walking by the other. And then he moves us into another bathroom into the other hallway. And then we hear the police go by there and he's like, all right, down this exit. And we just run for it. And the police can hear us at this point. He's like, just, just floor it guys. And we go down the stairs. And so we, we disappear into the night. And uh, me and Ben 1, Ben 2, and Andrew all got away completely scot-free. Wow. And in this in this story, I, I think that my cousin Andrew would definitely be playing the role of Kramer. <laughs> uh, just the fearlessness and sure. the always being able to ask backwards, either fall into good fortune or, or get out of good fortune, suffer no consequences. And unfortunately, I, I feel like I was more of the Newman, sort of haplessly... <laughs> By my own bad decisions, finding myself to need to be rescued by more pivotal characters in the show. Wow. <laughs> How good did that did that 2 a.m. slice of greasy pepperoni taste that night? It was pretty amazing. Yeah. It was uh, it was a real rush of adrenaline getting out of the, the dorm. Yeah, there. this was yeah, we, we felt like we had we had really beat authority. We had we had won a major victory for the common people. On that fateful night. I I can imagine the next morning, the scene at the coffee shop, too, where like the one time they let Newman sit with them at the table is after this triumphant uh, <laughs> escape from the police. Yeah, that's right. There would there would be a, a camaraderie that would then write the punchline, the tagline of the episode before the comes in for the credits is, is Newman putting his foot in his mouth and ruining the whole the whole vibe, which resets everything back for the next episode. So the dynamics uh, can be played out once again. Mm hmm classic wow all right well uh brian let's that 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 moves us let's let's sneak right into your number number four then uh so my number four is the time i went on a first date in which she brought a friend along that i was unaware would be attending (laughs) oh uh that's a that's a move that's a that's that's, was that a power move what was that Um, i have a theory later on as to why i think this happened but so this is at the beginning of my online dating career, just dipping my toe into the waters there in my early twenties, trying to go on some dates. And okay. is this is this uh, is this Hinge? Is this um, you know okay Cupid? What is this? This is, is probably Tinder? this is probably an okay Cupid uh, okay. area okay. of of time here. Um, okay. So this is the this is the area of your life where you go on a lot of first dates that never lead to a second date. That's kind of the the time period we're working in here. Okay. Um, I feel like a lot of these dates didn't move on to a second one, mainly because of my lack of confidence at the time. But this particular one sticks out because it ended up being an unwanted threesome showing up at this restaurant that was very confusing oh, at the time. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Wrong choice you of just, word. Yeah, but you, you know, I was like, whoa, Brian. You know you what I mean? mention that? Okay, so okay. we met at Miller's Ale House in Lombard, Lombard Illinois. And then... Uh, okay. I got a table near the front, so I was there very early so she could see me when she came in. But then she walks through the door with somebody else, and she is dressed for the date. Like, we look like we're ready to go out for dinner. Her roommate is dressed in gray sweats. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) And they both sit down at my table, and I get introduced to the both of them. And I'm a little, I'm a little dumbfounded. I'm like, okay. And she kind of just introduces her roommate, but never explains why she's there. This whole time. Did her pictures on OkCupid include this other person? No, not at no. all. Okay. So this okay. is a completely brand new person to me. Like I recognize one, but she comes in with somebody else and I'm like, what's going on? Um, also, also, can I just mention the fact that you 
you made it a point to sit near the front so she could see you right away. That's pretty, like, that's pretty nice. I, I, I don't feel like most people would do that. Well, I, I asked for it. I'm like, especially it's like if you, you're waiting in the lot, they didn't have like a really nice lobby area, like very, very small. It was like just a little host stand. Yeah. So I feel like there was like a booth that was facing the front door. So if like I sat there, it'd be like a quick, hello, right here. Yeah. <laughs> also, also the quick, the quick escape route for you if, if needed. Which I should have used. But I didn't <laughs> as we continue here. Um, so it was obviously awkward from the get go, but I was also very hungry. So I wasn't going to leave the restaurants because I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to at least get some nachos. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leaving without nachos. So, so no quick escape is happening because nachos. Are, that's that's the okay. priority yeah. right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is coming up about a decade since this happened. So I'm trying to, a lot of the details are starting to become a little bit fuzzy, but I do remember like just feeling uh, guilty about the, the roommate, like not being a part of the conversation. So I remember like any question I would ask to the date, I would like turn and be like, so what do you think? <laughs> oh wow! Like, uh, what do you do? Like, uh, just like remember, just trying to have this first date conversation with two people, just to not be mean to the person who was brought along that doesn't look like she wants to be here. <laughs> this is a direct line again to you choosing the table that's most easily found. You're just you. You were a nice, nice boy. Sorry, keep going. a nice okay. boy, and I should uh, uh, very bad at recognizing red flags. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Are there more red flags coming? Uh, not not particularly, but uh, okay, it was. Okay. I just didn't want this other person to feel like a third wheel because she seemed like she was dragged here. So, my theory as the night went on was maybe the date was just worried about meeting guys alone for a first date, which is like a totally legitimate concern. Absolutely, but like, just give me a heads up. Like, hey, it's like sure. I I usually don't go on dates alone just because I don't obviously don't know what's going to happen. So I'm like, sure, bring her along. Let's just go get something to eat. I would have been totally fine if I would like got the heads up. But needless to say, this was our only date. <laughs> this is our only, this is our only meeting. <laughs> so I I see this as a as a Seinfeld episode where Elaine sets Jerry up on a blind date with one of her coworkers, and then one of those coworkers brings a roommate. And then later on, uh, the argument that Jerry and Elaine have to have at Monk's the next day is Jerry being upset that he was put in a situation where he had to pay for three meals and got no sex. <laughs> like, what's going on here, Elaine? <laughs> but like, that's that's pretty much how I uh, attribute it to Seinfeld. Well, and, and, and even if it's not first date sex, it's like, what, third date, fourth date? So then instead of just eight meals, you're buying 12 meals. And that's already... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's 150% more money I'm spending on food before, you know, the Laney, before the top of the mountain is found. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, okay, hold on. All right. So, fire why away, not fire just away. why not just sit at another table? Um wh- like why like uh, if this if this was her true reason for bringing her, like that person should have gone to the bar. Right? Yeah. Like, like just you be, can like have someone like there. walk yeah. in separately, go to the bar. I mean, you would have seen that it was just like, all right, there's just a guy ordering nachos. He's not a threat. <laughs> so there's, but perhaps your down. date, perhaps your date was someone who likes to put pressure on people and wanted to see how you would operate in this situation. Yeah, you I, know, like put into a weird situation, see how you how you handle yourself. So, oh, so she was possibly a sociopath, <laughs> <laughs> and if I, or an experimenter. I don't know. Um, and I, I mean, I feel like I handled it well. I mean, I stayed and I made conversation, so I feel like that's a, that's a passing grade. But who knows? Did 
at, at any point during the date, did you think about switching the, the two women in your mind? Like, okay, now I'd rather be dating this other person. No, <laughs> no, okay. no. All right. No, based on the attitude of the person in sweats, mm-hmm. like they were also eating more of the food than anybody else at the table. <laughs> so I was like, they were just like, well, yeah. they were just there and just like taking advantage of the situation when I was trying to be nice. And so did you end up paying for all three? I, I paid and I left and then I never talked to them again. <laughs> wow. During how, how many times during the meal did you think this, this, this son of a bitch person has eaten most of the food here? Like, <laughs> like least, did you, did it like knock you off your convo game at, at all? At least once or twice. I was just like, okay. <laughs> That was that was the side of the appetizer plate that I was going to go for next, and it's no yeah. longer there because I was having a conversation with the actual date, yeah. and you ate my 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 appy portion. What's going on here? I, I can totally see uh, like Jerry holding a fork up to his mouth, and then he sees her go for it, and the the Jerry Seinfeld expression where he can't, he's just frozen in time, yeah. looking at that happening. Yeah, so that's that's my number four. <laughs> Wow. Now, what was there? Um, did you receive any communication later from the young lady at all? Or no? I have no idea. I do not remember like anything after that okay. night is like completely wiped from my brainscape. Okay. Interesting. And that's 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 a that's I've never heard of someone bringing along a second person without telling them and also having them sit at the table as a yeah, as an independent it, auditor. I guess it's in a way. just a but. weird thing, right? <laughs> I was like, I didn't feel like I was the one like the i'm not the fish out of water here this is a very strange situation um okay guys those are great number fours um you know nathan you know i love i love um thumbing my nose at at authority during college that was one of my favorite things (laughs) ra's especially um we we had our own run-ins with them uh at depaul we did well those will come up in a future episode for sure oh absolutely yeah yeah, of course um and and but i was going to give you three points but after hearing brian's story the singularity of this experience just blows me to the moon um that's a, that's a saying right blows me to the moon i think so, um, so. <laughs> so uh nathan i'm gonna give you two brian three for that uh one and uh brian you scored three so give us your third on all your right. list first of all i'm so happy that i was able to blow you to the moon <laughs> yeah let's let's see, let's see if you can uh maybe you can whisk him around the sun on this one <laughs> all right uh so this number three is a weird one here. So I was working for a a boutique film production company at the time that the situation happened. We were tasked with doing some sort of corporate video shoot. Uh, We needed to get a walk and talk of the beverage company CEO walking through a West side neighborhood, basically introducing some sort of charity initiative that they were going to be doing. So it already had like a bunch of weird signals. Like we actually have to go to, this neighborhood you deem not great <laughs> to put you it, problematic. It, it just seemed just a little um, tone deaf uh, to from mm-hmm. the beginning. So either way, um, this day started where myself, me and a couple of the other people who are on the crew showing up to meet at the company. First, we go to the boardroom and we're just going to walk through what's going to happen today. And there is a security guard there that we've never met. I think he's an ex cop whatever either way he asks uh, we were told that the, there was going to be a security guard there and then he asked us he's like did you call the police 
to notify them that we're going to be filming in that neighborhood? And I was like, uh, no, I thought you were security. And that little line back to him set him off. And he was just like, you got to do your job so I can do my job sort of thing. Long story short, my number three is they got security for the CEO and nobody else while they were putting us all into a neighborhood they all deemed unsafe. (laughs) Wow. So there was one security guard just for this guy. And I have to relay all this information back to the producer who's not there being like, what kind of situation are we in right now? What is happening? Are we unsafe? If they deem him unsafe, why didn't they hire security for everyone? But either way, at the end of this meeting at the, at the top of the morning, it was very clear to us that the security guy's only concern was the CEO. And he basically told us that we were on our own. So keep your head on a swivel, but I'm here for him. And it was like, all right, cool. Let's start the day. <laughs> so... Uh, how I attribute this to Seinfeld as I picture Jerry getting hired on a commercial where he is not top of the call sheet or he's doing a USO show overseas and there's not enough security for him. These are the two situations I can see a stand-up comedian <laughs> being in. But for one reason or another, Frank Costanza has had to step in as his acting manager or agent during the situation. <laughs> So picture uh, Frank Reynolds in the Shyamalan episode of It's Always Sunny looking after everybody. Frank Costanza as his guard trying to figure out why doesn't my client have this or that? But Frank Costanza trying to find security for Jerry in an unwieldy situation is an episode I am all in for. Well, now, and I have to ask, obviously, it was all just fine, right? You just shot it and it was... Everything was fine. It was literally... It was Garfield Park. Oh, yeah. That's that's uh, like it was fine. Yeah, it was like and they were calling one. They were calling it the south side. It's the west side. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Even if you were that further that far south on the south side, you still would have been like above Sox Park in terms of the distance away from their corporate headquarters. Like that's not the south side. It goes into the 120, 130th blocks or whatever. It goes really far, even farther than that, actually. So it's like, that's not the South side. What you're wrong in so many levels here. You're completely tone deaf. Can we ask who this company was? Can we we drag into the mud a little bit? I'm not going to put that out there. That's okay. I'm going to be a good boy. Well, I I just love this too, because, you know, like soda companies, their first charity should be, we're paying to. So you don't have to drink our product anymore, right? Shouldn't that be the first thing they do? <laughs> well, you would uh, think. Because so does it just destroy your body from the inside out? Yeah, so um, it was just an odd situation from the get-go. And the fact that they're like, yeah, we're providing security, not for you. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Thanks. Well, and, and you know, th- thankfully, you, um, you, you have a conceal and carry. I mean, that's, you know, you keep multiple guns on. Yeah, but it's, but they're Um, all, they're all nerf guns. So, oh yes, (laughs) (laughs) but I do have the proper license for that. But in the time it takes to get a suction dart off your forehead, you can really get out of there pretty quick. It's more, it's like Um, a disorienting effect. It's just like, did I just get hit with a nerf gun? Like there's no time to react and fire back or get tackled or stabbed because they're like, this guy brought a nerf gun to a gun slash knife fight. That's, this is impressive. Um, that, so this wasn't for the parent company that owns Nerf and this soda. You just happen to have Nerf guns. Well, yeah, that's just the, okay. they're not okay. affiliated with uh, Ubersenko or this beverage company. It's just, okay. I like Nerf but, guns. Uh, 
but, but also Nerf. If you do want to sponsor Uber Cinco, we would uh, we would warmly welcome you to the den. Um, Nathan, that's Nerf, Nerf, and soda. Like that sounds like uh, all of my favorite Nickelodeon commercials when I was a kid. <laughs> Those were the first two building blocks of any great birthday party up until you're about ten years old. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. we need soda and we need Nerf guns. What else? You know, because yeah. you don't always Our, need cake. No, actually, maybe pizza. Pizza you always need as well. For sure. Pizza, Nerf guns, and RC Cola because it is so bay. (laughs) (laughs) I demand the royal crown for my seventh birthday. Um, With that, Nathan, um, let's move on to your number three on your list, please. All right. So this goes back, I think, like 20 Let's call it 2012. Um, I had a uh, job at a uh, a corporation. It was a medical association, and I was placed uh, just as an administrative assistant up on the the very top floor, the executive area. Oh la la! All, all the yep, all the big wigs, and that also included the like sort of executive conference room, like a big area. It could had maybe 10 large tables in so they would have the buffets or whatever before the big board meetings and so on. So uh, I I have uh, I have trouble sleeping. I have uh, and I don't I'm my body's very adverse to caffeine. So there were a lot of days when I would get into work and I would just be pretty wiped out. So I worked the 4 or 5 hours before my lunch break and I would uh, I would just drop off into the little uh dining area. And I would, uh, you know, just kind of lay myself down because I knew nobody was coming in there if there wasn't an event and just, you know, kind of relax and maybe get, you know, 10, 15 minutes of shut eye before I came back and was ready to go for the afternoon. But the problem would be if I was uh, needing a little little cat nap and there was a convention or conference or whatever happening. So that was that was the day that this happened. So I I went down to the second floor of this building where there was an even bigger space. And it, it was kind of like a circular thing. It kind of wrapped around the, because the, the elevators were in the center of the building. So this floor, everything kind of wrapped around. This sounds like an international <laughs> style building uh, where, where essentially from the outside, you can see the structural um, supports of the building in a way. So uh, yeah, Sorry. like the, fir- the first two floors you could, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, you can tell you're the uh, architect son of the group. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Oh, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so I, I kind of found a place. There's more foot traffic down on the second floor, more of a common area. But I, I find a place that's pretty secluded, and there were the the table sort of had the extenders, and then the, like the wings, and then they would drop down like to the floor. And so I decided I was going to climb underneath one of these tables. <laughs> I was just about I to be... ask: Are you sleeping on the floor or on the tables normally? And do you have a blanket? Is there a pillow? No. Do you hide those somewhere? Just relaxing out, stretching the spine out, you know, nice, even flat surface. Uh, on you know, the table big, or on the floor? No, on the floor. On the floor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but at this, at this point I'm under the table and I'm, I'm, I'm laying under the table, nice and secluded. And, 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 and then and, and you're, you're, you're like this, there's nothing wrong with this. This is just a normal oh, workplace. I was, <laughs> I was I was terrified, but okay. I was I was exhausted. I just I just needed to to get off, you know, to lay down for a second. And then uh, this I start hearing some footsteps, and I think, well, this isn't good. And then I see uh, a, like a pair of high heeled shoes, and they 
arrive maybe six feet away from from where I am. And then they stop. And I just, I'm waiting and I'm holding my breath. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know how I am going to get out of this one. And then all of a sudden I just hear, yes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so eventually I figured out she's on the phone. And so I'm like, I don't know how long this conversation's going to go. Please, whatever. <laughs> just can I hear the good? The, okay, goodbye. Thanks for calling. You know, anything. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying not to breathe too heavily. And I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing a necklace. And I can start to feel it shifting. And shifting a little bit more. And then it falls and makes the slightest of sounds. <laughs> but then I hear this woman stop and say, hang on, I gotta go. Oh, <laughs> and, no. and she like shifts a little bit. And I can't see what she's doing, but I know, I know I'm in trouble. Now, okay, and the wings of the table, they don't go all the way down to the ground. Like They it, leave like an inch or okay. maybe two inches. So she gets down. Okay, all right, sorry. No, she she doesn't bend down. Okay. I think she, she just like maybe. She, she can just tell someone's there. Yeah, or maybe like at the top where the wings, uh, you know, come down, there's a little gap or something. Sure. And she, she saw enough where she believed there was a human being <laughs> hiding under this table. Sleeping oh, under my God. <laughs> so, so this woman starts to, I see her like walk away quite quickly. Uh, and so I'm, I, I think of something real quick and I crawl out the table uh, opposite way and it's a circular thing and I sprint. I've never moved so fast in my life around. She's going counterclockwise. I start going clockwise. I get to the edge. I stop, take a deep breath and then just walk carefully. And I see her coming around and I say, Hey, are you okay? What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> And she's real, and she's real flustered, and she's like, "I, I don't know. I think something really weird just happened. I, I think there is somebody hiding in that room." I said, "Wait, what? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and she says, "Well, I just like maybe like under a table or something." I said, "Well, hang on. Let's go. Let's go take a look." She's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna be fine." So, so then I led the search to look for myself, <laughs> and. I'm looking under every table and I'm like, well, I don't, I, there's nobody here. I'm like, do you want me to, do you want me to go talk to security or something? Do you want me to, you know, do, and she's like, well, I, I don't know. Are you sure? Well, anyways, despite my most valiant efforts, uh, I was never brought to justice. <laughs> you did this devious boy. Did this lead to a promotion at all? Like from her, did she like recommend you to anyone to like move up? No, or? but but afterwards she said, she said, she's like, oh, I don't, she's like, I'm just, I was having a stressful day. I just must have been seeing things or hearing things like, but thanks for looking, you know, and then we, we went, went on our separate ways and I never saw her again. But then you did an about face and your necklace made a noise as you walked away and then she turned around. Oh no, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I hid my necklace. Just I don't think she saw it or would have known. Oh. But yeah, I, I I dropped it under the shirt. I was like, I need to. That now, see, I was thinking about the necklace too. That's pretty close to a yada yada. I don't know. Um, that's a good detail you left out there, partner. Oh dear. Uh, I snuck it in right at the last minute. Okay. I was yeah, quick thinking at the very last minute, just like in that situation. <laughs> this is this is a great example of some of the. Um, most, uh, I'd say non-evil, but also very effective gaslighting examples I've ever heard. 
I, 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 uh, I mean, I'm this not is, proud this is of straight it, out of a movie. This is something that, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this is a George moment, right? And this is only George. Yeah, nobody, nobody but George would have yeah. found himself in this. It would have gone much further. I, George would have ended up having to report this to security. Yeah. And then, and then they go to the tapes and yeah. then he's, and then, it, you know, he's spotted staggering out from under the bill and having to explain why he's Yan- under a table. Yankee stadium and, security footage seeing him yeah. sprint out from underneath the table. <laughs> and, and, it goes all the way up to Mr. Steinbrenner and says, George, wait, wait, you could come sleep in my couch in my office. You don't need to sleep under a table. What are you thinking? I that want was- my scouts fully rested. <laughs> and then at the end, it would end up with George getting a couch in, in his because Steinbrenner has money to burn and be very refreshed. I want you refreshed after your lunch break. Um, wow. Okay. Um, let me, you, you've, you've escaped the, the yada yada deduction. And also I'm giving you an extra point for the first impression that I've really liked, um, from, of a Seinfeld character. So I'm gonna give you an extra point for that, which would give you five points, but I can't, I can't award five. So Nathan, I'm gonna give you three. I'll take it. And Brian, I'm going to give you two uh, for your, for your, uh, um, for your soda tail. So, um, and that brings us to. Um, let's go to, um, let's go to Brian for number two. Uh, for number two here, I have, uh, the time that Saudi royalty was in attendance at an IMAX screening that we were at. Wait, hold on. This involves a movie. This involves a movie. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Hit the alarm. For this Uber stare down, Brian, you have mentioned something that involves a movie, and Nathan's number one also involves a movie. So explain, both of you introduce your um, your your number two, and for Nathan, your number one, and then we're gonna go with Brian to start defending uh, his number two first. All right. So uh, I think Mitch, you'll remember this. I think you were with me uh, at this screen. I was. I was. Um, so. Obviously, we were in film school, and one of the perks we like to take advantage of was free screenings. Why not? You can see things early, don't have to pay, great stuff. So this particular screening was interesting because a student at DePaul was actually in the film and involved in the production. And this was Arabia in IMAX, voiced by Helen Mirren. And I don't don't remember much about the film other than it being a little like (laughs) propaganda-y. And oh, I, I would say film is is a very loose term in this. In this, there was no story, there was no setup. It's this also thirty. Not, it's a, it got a thirty nine minute runtime, like those other weird IMAX movies. <laughs> yeah. To, so yeah. Um. So it felt like it was mainly financed to showcase Saudi Arabia trying to modernize, update its its longstanding laws and things like that. That was like the reason why it was allowed. It to was be a com- yeah. It was, a it was definitely a commercial. Yeah, it was a commercial. So yeah. um. But at the end of the screening, it was revealed that there was a Saudi princess in the audience. And I remember when they were asking questions to the audience afterwards, she got up and said a negative comment. And I think it was regarding something around women being allowed to drive. And I think that they were talking about that the film didn't tackle that the law was trying to be changed. And in the film, they said that women were not allowed to drive. And she stood up and was just like, no, that's being changed. And I don't like that this is in the movie. <laughs> she said something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But then I went back and I researched. We saw this movie in 2010. That law didn't take effect until 2017. So I yeah, I think those negotiations were taken, obviously, a long time. 
So I don't know if I'm remembering her comment wrong in any way, but like either way, us knowing that she was a Saudi princess, watching a film about Saudi Arabia and they asking her what she thought of it and it being completely negative just made the room extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a very weird experience. Very odd. So I picture this as being uh, Elaine being brought to this screening, then falling asleep during the movie because there's no plot. But then she, <laughs> but then she wakes up at the end and in our Seinfeld tale, I think our, our prince or princess playing this role would say something extremely backwards or horrific, like something that like takes Saudi thinking backwards as opposed to moving sure. it forward. And because Elaine just woke up and she sees that it's a princess down there, she's like, no, 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 this woman needs to be heard. Let her be heard. Everyone's booing, blah, blah, blah. She just takes her side, <laughs> not knowing yeah. what she's arguing. <laughs> And just uh, Elaine accidentally agreeing with it with an outdated statement just in the name of listen to her <laughs> would be a, a completely great Seinfeld episode. So you're are you saying you're Elaine and I'm Jerry? Uh, I think I'm the guy. I, we, either, we were both Elaine in the situation. We were I suppose both that's brought true. by Jerry is the ticket <laughs> in this. Mm, yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we were both just kind of thrusted. We did not know what this was going to be about. I remember rumors being put around school like, oh, my God, somebody got to work with Helen Mirren. And then we watched the movie and we we're just kind of like, huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, n never did it become more clear to me that if you have a lot of money, it can make it seem like you have um, talent or or are good at something. Um, it, was, so. it was just an odd experience. It was a super odd experience. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know if you remember, but I was real heated that whole time. I was like, this is absolute bullshit. This is not a film. They should not have brought us here for this. Yeah. This is just to pump up the numbers to make it look like people give a crap about this this propaganda commercial we just watched but you, you were you were you were angry you were an angry yeah, boy i was not happy also no. it was just boring it was all boring because it was just like look at this great university we just spent 300 million dollars on now we're the best in the world and i was like you don't have an equal society there's one half your population <laughs> that cannot fully participate this is bullshit <laughs> And I think that, like the whole time during the movie, I was like, Brian, this is horseshit. Yeah. Women aren't allowed to do anything. This is such horseshit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as mentioned before, justice, justice runs through my blood uh, in public <laughs> situations. So. You shut down RAs and you stand up for women's rights. You always have yes. and you always yes. will. I, I, I can always do better. But in that moment, you know, I, I, I wasn't yelling it. I wasn't like, you know getting tons of people on my side. I was just trying to get Brian on my side. So. Oh, I, I was on um, your side. Yeah, okay. but I made damn sure I didn't ask a question or stick around to chat more with the quote unquote filmmakers. So, no, I, yeah, that was, it was such a weird, weird, weird night. Yeah. Um, okay. That, that brings us to Nathan, your number one, give it, give us, give us that. Yeah. So my number one actually is very meta because it involves oh. Seinfeld itself. So if, if you remember from Seinfeld, they had these great um, fictional movies that they would go see, like Prognosis Negative or The Tunnel, all these sort of ridiculous sounding movies. But my favorite, of course, is Rochelle, Rochelle. <laughs> the, and the tagline to Rochelle, Rochelle is uh, young girl's strange erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. 
And there was a <laughs> an episode with Bette Midler in the, the musical version of Rochelle, Rochelle. And she made a long journey from Milan to Minsk. Rochelle, Rochelle. And so a few of my friends, when I was at the London Film School, we would we would sing that song to each other because we were all big Seinfeld fans and just joke around about it. And we even at one point floated the idea of like, like, look, we looked into airline tickets to Milan and then a train up to Minsk so we could have our own strange erotic journeys. And so like this was just kind of a running joke in our group for like two weeks. And this was near the end of our time over there. And then we had a producing uh, lecture that was headed up by the guy who was the head of the school at the time, uh, now disgraced. Anybody who wants to really dig deep, they could figure out what happened there. Uh, but anyways, no, he was he was a real he was very erudite, but you could just kind of tell he was full of shit, a big smooth talker, fast talker. Um not my not my favorite guy in the world. So and now it, it, it was very satisfying for this to happen. So he was talking about how to pitch projects to big producers or whatever. So we go through the whole thing. At the, at the end, we have like 20 minutes left. And so he says, all right, so what else do you guys have in the, the pipeline? Like, what ideas are you working on? Like, what's something we could go over and develop? And then a friend of mine in the back raises his hand. And so he gets called on and then he just kind of like, side eyes over it uh the other guys who we'd had this running joke with and he goes well we've um we've got rochelle rochelle <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's, he's like okay what's rochelle rochelle and then my friend on my other side goes well it's a young girl's strange erotic journey from milan to minsk <laughs> and, and so the the guy running the lecture is like okay that's great and he turns around and he writes a young girl's strange erotic journey from milan to minsk on the board <laughs> and he's like okay what's act one and so then we spent the next 20 minutes three of us improvising a, an outline for the film of rochelle rochelle and nobody ever caught on <laughs> it was <laughs> then we we were trying to contain our laughter the entire time and we just made the plot more and more contrived and at the end he was like man this is this is some good stuff i can't wait to see rochelle rochelle on the big screen <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you remember what the climax was <clears throat> there were several <laughs> uh, she yeah <laughs> She, she at the, the end of the film, she she made it to Minsk. That's about all I remember. Okay. Yeah. It ended in Minsk. That's yeah. Um wow. Oh god. God, you we, guys- none of us none of us took notes. We just let him write it up on the whiteboard and then it was erased afterwards. So because it would have looked suspicious if while we were saying it, we started to outline it on our own paper <laughs> because we were just pretending we'd already done this work. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Oh, man. Um, I love that so much. Um, and this makes this very hard because to award the three points at the Uber Stare Down because, Brian, I was there with you and I was experiencing uh, that uh, hot blood boil right there with you. Um, but damn it. You guys know also I've done improv in my life. And I again, Nathan, you know I love pranks and pranks against authority. <laughs> and this, this is what that feels like. And so, Brian, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to give Nathan – just he, he he takes it by nose on this one, so congratulations, Nathan! You get the full three points of the Uber stare down. I love um, it. Thank you. And with that, Brian, I'm sorry, uh, but let's go to your to your number one. Please forgive me. I love you. Please forgive me. Sorry. Oh, here's my number one. I guess. Okay. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one's going to be a little bit interesting to bring it into the Seinfeld realm because this is a, a, a situation that happened to me in around fourth or fifth grade. 
uh, I okay. was on a uh, Park District basketball team, and we were okay. having a, a really good year in our hometown there. Um, so we were having a great season, and I remember finding this is no point to the story whatsoever, but the best Nikes that matched our jerseys. I was able to find orange that gradiented into yellow Nikes that matched like the flames on our jerseys, like perfect. And I remember picking those up and then calling my friend Kevin and being like, they got them in your size too. We were on the same team. Like, you want these too? I'll pick them up. And we got yeah. the same pair of shoes. Like either way, we ended up with these same shoes and that was why we were flying high that season. So I had a feeling those were our Jordans for the year that really helped us push us through. But we got to the championship game and we lost on a bad call from the ref and we were heartbroken. And I remember parents arguing with the ref. Children were crying everywhere. And all of this is just echoing in the chamber of a gymnasium. <laughs> just just the sadness and defeat. Did your dad sketch sketch the scene or was he yelling along with the other parents? Uh, well, my dad worked the night shift, so he wasn't even there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to an, uh, a side story where he did have to accident. He did have to coach us once because the, the actual coach was late. And the one time he got to come to the ass, I'm like, can you coach for the first quarter? And my dad was like, I am not qualified. For this. <laughs> but in this particular uh, scenario, we're all crying because we lost. The other team's upset are uh, super happy because they won. But all these parents are yelling at this ref. Long story short, an article starts getting passed around a few la- few years later of that ref in question being busted for child pornography on his computer. Oh, my God. So it takes a huge turn. Holy shit. And, and then all of us start talking to each other again about, you know, like, you know what? We did win that game that night. So it doesn't matter. Like we come out as winners after listening to this. So this was just a whole thing. So wow. how, how is this a Seinfeld episode? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's more of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode at this point. But Very dark. I love it. Okay. I could, I could see Jerry asking Kramer to join him in some intramural sports team at the gym if they're a player short. Either squash or basketball or something weird. Uh, and then lot, you got lots of Kramer falls. You get tons of Kramer being overly aggressive. It's a it's a real good time there. But they end up losing <laughs> on a technicality and Kramer starts throwing a fit and Jerry has to hold him back. And then I think to make this uh, what I'm getting at is child porn is really hard to make network TV safe. <laughs> so yeah. I think that ref has to end up being involved in some sort of underground gambling ring or like a Ponzi scheme or something. And yeah. then Jerry ends up walking away feeling like, nah, no, 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 we're the winners here. <laughs> we're the winners here. Wow. Re- reminiscent of when Jerry has to do that foot race against that guy yes. who then it, gets distracted. And correct. It's, it, he, it's a very tainted victory, but he yes. being Jerry, he'll, he'll take, take it, it yes. no matter how it comes. Yeah. Also, I just like to see Jerry play basketball. <laughs> that, would be, that would be really entertaining. <laughs> Um, I mean, he, he definitely tuck his jersey in, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> He'd have the whitest sneakers you've ever seen in your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super high tube socks as well. He, he'd be like Jordan. It's like a new pair every game, no matter what. Uh, For sure. Oh, yeah. Very fresh kicks. Uh, okay, with that, let's let's roll right along uh, to our final, our final top five moment of someone's life that should have been in a Seinfeld episode. And we're going to go to Nathan's number two, as his number one has already been used in our epic Uber stare down. All right. This is uh, I have to give a, one very short background story to set the, the scene here. So I, I 
at a previous job, it was it was a very unpleasant job I had, and we invented a game in which you don't know you're playing the game until the end of the game. Um, it was oh. called it was called and now I work here. That was the name of the game. Mm. And so it would go like that. Like I remember went and told a story about how I was on this. I was doing some international travel by myself and I found myself in a beautiful country taking a bus tour. And when like the second night on the tour, we were all uh, in this little tiny town staying a little tiny B and B and I never met these people before, but we all became fast friends and everybody's having a few drinks and karaoke. And it was a gorgeous little town and the moon was shining bright. And this girl asked me to, she was like, we're going to go on a race to the this stone bridge that was over the little creek that the town had been built around hundreds of years earlier. And so we we run to the, the bridge and the crickets are chirping and there's shooting stars going across the sky. And it's just this beautiful, perfect moment. And she turned and she grabbed me by by the lapels of my shirt and she looked up at me and she said, I want to kiss you. And now I work here. <laughs> so so that's how the game works. <laughs> uh, so anyways, the, the story goes that I was I was on this trip. And so like we we had that moment was a real thing that happened. And then so like for the, the rest of the week, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm sitting next to this girl on the bus for the whole week and we're, we really hit it off. And she'd um, she was over. She'd just finished grad school. She was over from America as well. Um, we were having a great time. And, and, you know, we did all the sightseeing together, took a lot of pictures together. Just real fun. Then at the end of the bus tour. So like after five or six days. Um, and I, I had joined a day late, which is important to the story. But so after five days, we're going back to the home city where it started and everybody, we all had such a great time. We're like, all right, well, let's, let's all go out. And even though the tour is over, we'll go out one last night together, have this big blowout. And like, even the, the tour guide was coming along and, but I didn't, I hadn't planned on like, I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. So I didn't have a place to stay. Um, so I was like worried about that. And then this girl was like, she was like, actually, like, I, I have a place you can stay, but like, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> and so she just, she turned and, and said to me, she's like, okay, so I actually have an apartment here. And I'm like, what? She said, I've lived here for five years. And I'm like, okay, why am I, why? So why have you been? why did I not know this before? Like, why has there been this ruse about you being from America in grad school? And this is all kind of strange. And so she said, well, the night before you got here, like what happened was she had been actually been going to grad school there in this country. And this was, she had just graduated. So this was like her big saying goodbye to the the country before she went back. So anyways, she would, she said, you know, what happened was the night before I had joined, everybody was in the getting to know each other conversation. And she was trying to explain like that she actually had lived there. She was trying to just tell her actual background story. But then this group of people, like they misunderstood and thought that she was just over on vacation. And then they started asking her different follow-up questions in that vein. And she was just too embarrassed to like correct them. 
And then it just kept going and going. And she, and she's like, and I got, I was just so embarrassed. I couldn't do it. And so she kept up this ruse for the entire week. (laughs) And I was like, and so she's like, when we go out tonight, just don't tell anybody. I'm just, I'm too embarrassed. I said, well, why would you be embarrassed? Like nobody's going to care and we'll never see any of these people again, you know? And she's like, no, it's just, I, now that it like every day that I kept it up, I'm going to be more and more embarrassed. And so she was worried more and more about it. So we get to, we get to the bar we're going to. And her roommates are meeting us, but she hasn't explained to her roommates the scenario. And so we meet her roommates and she says, like, they're like, oh, you're you're this girl's roommate. Oh, cool. And like, you're her roommate back in America. And he was like, well, no. And then she goes, yep, and like grabs him by the arm. And so she's like, as each of her roommates shows up, we're having to somehow convey to them this false fic- or this fiction that we've been uh, operating under just so <laughs> there won't be some embarrassing conversation and so then there had to be stories made for these other like her roommates who are there of like what what they're doing there and uh well we pulled it off but <laughs> it was <laughs> i was just a passenger in this and i was like i mean i and she was a very very sweet girl and like she genuinely just was trying to avo- avoid embarrassment but it just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing <laughs> And I found myself having to, to, you know, help perpetrate it. And, um, yeah, I think that was definitely like, uh, I think any character in Seinfeld, it would have worked on, like, I could see Jerry falling into this and then Elaine shows up and he has to have that conversation where he tries to <laughs> yeah. subliminally get her on board and, you know, it's all going well. And then George comes in and he, he just about gets it. But then Kramer comes in at the end and blows the whole thing sky high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I'm shocked. I, I don't. Like, oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm here. Oh, you are. Okay, cool. Let's just continue on the tour. Like what? That's all. I know it would have been such a simple fix. Uh, yeah, like nobody would have. Nobody would have thought less of her, and nobody. Yeah. Um, this is so. It was. It was. It was actually quite endearing because she was a very, very sweet person, and it was. You know, I. I, I don't know. Okay, but like, isn't that a giant red flag? Well, it's not like we got married or anything. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> but, 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 but like, she's so averse to just having a 10 second conversation. She pretends to be someone else for an entire week. Like, that's way more effort. Like, that's that's insane. <laughs> did you have did you have your wallet the next morning? Like, did you or like, did you wake up in a blank room that was just stripped of all its? Character? No, I, it was there was uh, there was nothing else strange about it. Uh, that was the only thing that was just uh, an anomaly. Did she have was there like a like an inside joke on the tour of like, oh, she's from Pittsburgh. She loves a sloppy hamburger or something like that. Where like, <laughs> where like it went it like it created something or it was just. No, it would just it would just come up for, you know, like because the tour worked where like people kind of would drop in and out for like a day or two. And so like where there would be more introductions and then somebody would be like, oh, yeah, this is her. And, and she, she this is her situation. She would be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, she just, so it's not even the same group of people. <laughs> well, no, it, it, there was a core group the whole time. This is kind of impressive that she was able to keep the ruse up for so long. Yeah, it was. And then bring uh, you into the fold. (laughs) It was a it was a roller coaster. How many more apartments does this woman have across Europe? I'm just curious. I mean, I don't actually know. It could be 
Okay. It could be thousands. It could be zero. So what if this was a ruse inside of a ruse and then her ruse of having the oh apartment? But, oh, my God. It's like you got you got ruse incepted. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, was she was she a good cuddler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, there were a lot of those um, great like uh bus cuddles you know like where everybody's everybody's like because everybody was hung over the entire time and so like Mm -hmm. there was lots of like lots of like everybody just the whole falling asleep you know heads on shoulders and stuff it was all it was all very cutesy and and, uh romantic comedy-esque through the whole the whole thing it was a really idyllic week i spent sure and uh did, did you tell her the truth about yourself the whole time well, she thinks I'm a secret agent in the British Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was investigating some very high class espionage mm. out in the countryside. Espionage. Yeah, <laughs> some some white gloved uh, yeah. d- d- duplicitousness happening. Yeah, you know, so the, the sort of espionage that that takes place when people use their real names at casino tables. That, yes, that yes. kind of espionage. Oh my gosh! Um, well, you, okay. You, you, you got to get your reward points and you're not going to get them using a fake name. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, boy. Uh, gosh, how, mm, Hmm. I love basketball. You guys know that about me, but, um, Brian, your, your, your turn was so dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, Eva, we didn't expect it either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I loved your enthusiasm about finding shoes that match your jersey. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you two points for that. Um, Nathan, I'm also going to give you two points uh, for your for your story of of uh, of assisting, uh, a, a, you know, uh, a uh, 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 Pam Dinger. Uh, 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 who's a what's it? A um, a how's it go? Um, you know. <laughs> A real, a, a real pulling the wool over over the eyes. Um, it was a real, a real bamboozle, I think. Yes, oh, a classic <laughs> bamboozle. bamboozle. Oh man. Um, and so, it, give me just a moment here. Uh, you guys um, talk amongst yourselves. I don't know. Um, talk about um, um, uh, about dog names. Give me a second to, to tally here. Okay. I've named all of my pets after sports figures. So, what's the best one? Well, it gives me great pleasure that now Scottie Pippen and Tracy McGrady often appear alongside each other on ESPN First Take because my childhood uh, dog and cat were Pippen and McGrady. Ah. So they, they live on. And I have tallied the scores here. And <laughs> <laughs> because of that Uber stare down, that was the difference today. Nathan, you take it with a score of 11 to Brian's 8. Uh, a warm round of applause for Nathan winning today's <laughs> Uber Cinco. Just like a parallel Parker. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and of course, now it's time for the host to do their duties, the Fast Five. Um, and so today is top five Brad Pitt hairs, I'm calling mm. it. Okay. Number five, meet Joe Black, Brad Pitt. Um, now on the film version, of course, on YouTube, we'll have, uh, some, some photos up, but it was bleached blonde. It was, uh, 1998. It was very of the times. It's flouncy. It's voluminous. Um, there's a great deep side part. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's a classy young man in this film and maybe it was a wig. I don't know. Okay. So number four, Troy Brad Pitt. <laughs> Back to blonde, baby. Um, he's got so much hair on his head in this film, but none on his face. 
his abs, his back, or his buttocks? What's going on there? I don't know. Um, the, the movie sucked, uh, but also his hair laid like a lion who is just shampooed. I like that very much. Okay, number three, <laughs> Snatch Brad Pitt. This is a return to, to natural color form, baby. Uh, the scruff finally matches the hair up top, and he pairs it in this movie with a cool leather bowler. And who the F can pull off a leather bowler? Almost no one but Brad Pitt. Okay, number two, <laughs> Legends of the Fall, Brad Pitt. This is when, this is the longest it's ever been in a film. There's luster to this. Um, it's been weathered. You know, he, he's outside a lot. He's he's working ranches. He's going to war in this movie. Uh, it's just, it's a mane. It's shoulder length. Um, and the facial hair grows along with him throughout the film. Uh, a nice um, marker of, uh, of aging. Um, and his character Tristan encounters a grizzly, a bear, not once, but twice when one of the matchups. Spoiler alert. Um, and number one, Brad Pitt hair, Thelma and Louise Brad Pitt. This is a classy mullet. Um, this is what rocketed him to fame. Again, great volume, not a surprise. Uh, and he has a little bit of a shadow goatee, but it's nothing overt in this one. Um, but what you can see is the future and that uh, beautiful quaff, and boy, was it bright. So that was top five Brad Pitt hairs. Um, thank you again, everyone. Um, that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. On my left has been... Nathan Henenfent. And on my right, of course, has been our lovely... Brian Ernst. And I've been Mitch Brinkman, and as BizBear always says, when you're seen triple, pick the handsome one. Auf Zane and adios. <laughs> <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.